Welcome to Bronze and Modern Gods. I'm John, and that's Richard. I get to point again. Yay! How is it going? Good. How are you doing, John? I'm doing okay. Lots of, lots again this week. Hot book of the week. We've got our underrated books of the week where we delve into the Bronze Age a bit. Our 25-year rule returns. And our main topic this week, underrated Bronze Age first appearances. What is... What, what are people missing? What do we want to call out? What's out there still that you can grab before it becomes a 50,000? <laughs> like everything else right now. Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, but stick around. But first, our hot book of the week. It is one that, you know, I did. I was a little older along with you. I, I missed this in my childhood. But I understand the appeal. It is G.I. Joe number 21. Yeah. yeah, what a what a great book! What a great book! I I am though just shocked by this the acceleration of interest in this book and the acceleration of value. First of all, it's the famous silent issue featuring Snake Eyes, probably the most popular GI Joe character outside of Scarlet. Uh, it's also that's a joke. It's also <laughs> the first appearance of Storm Shadow, a very popular. Uh, adversary for the Joes, the 90 day GPA for a 9.8 on this book from the eighties is $3,550. Richard. That is unbelievable. This is the, the value of this book. I remember this book just a couple of years ago was, it was not cheap. It was around $400, but nowadays $3,500 is an unbelievable amount. Do you know that's more than a number one in 9.8? A number one is around $2,300 in 9.8 right now. Mm -hmm. It's I the Wolverine syndrome, I think. It's that. It's that dark cover. It shows every imperfection, that dark gray, uh, gray tone cover. Now, also, newsstand versions of this book are fetching huge premiums. A 9.6, not a 9.8, a 9.6 newsstand of this book sold on eBay last month for $3,500. And that was a nine six. Crazy. No, no. The main driver here is that upcoming Snake Eyes movie that's coming out in July. And it, people are just pumped. And, you know, you've got a whole generation behind us that grew up with the Joes. Yo, Joe, uh, the more you know, uh, and now you know, whatever that catchphrase is. Meanwhile, <clears throat> speaking of G.I. Joe, I want to tip everyone off to take a look at the issues between issue number 30 and issue 60, because there are a lot of key first appearances here that people probably aren't noticing. And they're, they're probably still in some bins or on some walls for a cheap amount. These are going for 300 or $400 a piece. Yeah. They, they, I'm surprised because this, you know, the run itself is very popular. It was popular back then. Yeah. So a lot of people pick these books up. Uh, yeah, but it's a kid's book, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that means people didn't take care of it necessarily in the same, right. same manner people took care of some of the, uh, the more adult books. But still, uh, I, some of the, you know, the, the run itself was very popular. I've come across and sadly did not purchase several <laughs> runs of, of G.I. Joe. Uh, so I know they're out there. They're, they're still sitting out there in long boxes. I know there's garage sales. I'm sure you can come across and you can find a whole run of these. Yeah. You know, you're right. You might not get the 9.8s you want, but you can at least get some under copies until you get those. 
Uh, so be on the lookout for those other G.I. Joes. Mm -hmm. Moving on from, I think, Copper Age, right? We'll call G.I. Joe Copper Age, right? Moving on yeah. to the Bronze Age for our main topic this week, and that is underrated, underrated, underrated Bronze Age first appearances. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to Raphael, the husband, for my really cool Bronze and Modern Gods cap. That is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, we might be selling these very soon, along with some shirts. I know you guys are asking in the comments, and I keep saying, coming soon. They're coming soon, I swear. I got to get around to it. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, I have a bunch of uh, suggestions for people to pick up on these books that I think are, have sort of flown under the radar. You may have heard something about them from some apps and some other uh, influencers, but I still think there is value here. And the first one is Marvel Presents number one, featuring Bloodstone, the first appearance of Bloodstone, of infamous quarter bin book yeah. for decades <laughs> that is now sort of uh, catching on. These stories were originally meant for the reprint title, Where Monsters Dwell. Marvel in the uh, mid-70s had a bunch of monster reprint titles where they reprinted some of the old Lee and Kirby monster stories from the 60s. And near the end of those runs, they had decided they were going to start putting a new feature in the front of all of them. And it didn't really happen. They all kind of got canceled before it happened. But these stories were in inventory. So they collected two of them and put them in this book. And Bloodstone was going to be a monster hunter. You know, that was going to be the tie-in. And that's why this first issue has two chapters that are drawn by two entirely different artists because they were going to be two separate 10-page stories. Now, Bloodstone's legacy has been passed down to Elsa Bloodstone, which, as you guys probably know, that first issue of Bloodstone from 2001 is very heavily specced upon and a tough, tough book to find and grade. A 90-day GPA for this is uh, $605 for a 9.8. You know, that's up 50% from last year. Uh, talk and about said, this, is a, this is a quarter 50-cent bin book. You know, I picked up one of these, you know, just because it was a number one and I was rifling through a long box. There you go. I used, I, I had stacks of this and uh, the rest of the run, which with issue three is featured guardians of the galaxy for the rest of the run. But I love this little run of Marvel presents. So that's my first one. What's yours? My first pick is a book that I've mentioned previously. Uh, it is Epic number three, the first appearance of Vanth Dreadstar. Uh, uh, Deadstar is a character made by Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin is famous in the comic book community for creating Thanos, the Affinity Gauntlet, uh, Drax, the Destroyer, Gamora, and Shang-Chi. So he's, he's got serious chops when it comes to creating new characters. So this is a character that he created for the Epic imprint, which was an uh, imprint provided by Marvel. Uh, back in the early 80s. And the books features uh, Dreadstar. He is the sole survivor of the um, Milky Way galaxy. And he, he, he goes through a, a variety of adventures uh, in a war between two different massive galactic empires. And that's, it's a great read. If you ever read it, it reminds me very much of the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. And uh, the characters that, that surround him also remind me of it. The book itself is epic, is a uh, magazine format. The epic um, illustrated is magazine format. So it's a bigger book. It's a thick book, too. 
uh, to be honest with you. It's it's always hovered, and as Dreadstar has on the edge of um, of popularity. Um, he, my him, Jim Starlin, uh, actually released a Kickstarter back last year where he was putting out a hundred page story uh, to continue the legacy of Dreadstar, and that's just about ready to be released. That's going to follow up the series that originally ran with Epic, and then after Epic, it switched over to first uh, publishing. Mm-hmm. And um, this had a great run. So, you know, what kind of spec power is behind this? I'm I'm not really sure. I, I'm 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 looking at a great character, and you know, if if there's bandwidth in the in the, in the uh, um, MCU production line, you know, this is one of those characters I could see really, really, really hitting it off. Um, GPA is for a nine point eight is three hundred ninety nine dollars, which is oh wow, that's more than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, uh, Raws, you can pick up Raws for around 50 bucks or 50 yeah. 100 bucks. You know, they're not, it's not necessarily a tough book. Like I said, it is a thick book. It is a white cover book. Mm. So there's some some difficulty getting this high in grade because of those factors. But I, I, again, I think it has some, some uh, potential given Jim Starlin's um, writing chops that, you know, this character could be something in the future. Nice foreshadowing on Epic Illustrated. We'll hear more about Epic Illustrated later this episode in our underrated books of the week. But my second book for this segment is Marvel Chillers number one, which came out around the same time as Marvel Presents number one. This is the first appearance of Modred the Mystic, which I mispronounced as Mordred for, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> decades before I finally actually saw that it was Modred. Uh, there was some spec around this book uh, when WandaVision was airing because it involved Chithon, uh, the Darkhold, lots of the sorcerers of the Marvel Universe. He could still possibly be part of the future Doctor Strange MCU stuff that's going on. His story, like I said, involves the Darkhold, which has appeared in S.H.I.E.L.D. already. Uh, we saw it again in WandaVision. And uh, we have a personal connection to this book because a 9.8, of this book sold for $2,700 this year. And the sale was from our man, Steven from minor keys comics. Crazy. I, I love you, Steven, but I'm going to call this one an outlier because I haven't seen anything else comparable to this. You really, this is a lesson for all of you. Steven took advantage of the movie hype, Mm -hmm. the, the TV show hype, the media hype. He sold at the height of the market. You know, if this was if this was Dogecoin, he sold two weeks. <laughs> no, it's it's you're right. It's all taking an advantage of of the waves of the market. You know, when when uh, strike when the iron's hot, you buy when things are are out of spec, and you sell when they are hot. And then I know my man probably took that money and invested it in some silver or bronze. So good on you, Stephen. But having said all that, again, another book you can find in back issue bins still that people just aren't hip to. They're not attuned to it yet. I got one a year ago that's like probably a 9.4, maybe better. I got it for $3 plus my 25% off discount. (laughs) Did you feel guilty? I always feel a little twinge of guilt when I do stuff like that. But, you know, we've had this conversation where if you own a shop and you're not on top of things, then you're not on top of things. Get on top of things. Uh, 
and, and don't reprice your book and when the person brings it up to the counter. Oh man, do not if you bring up a browser and start looking on eBay while I'm at the register, I'm gonna say, you know, I think I'm good. Uh, yeah. nine times out of ten. What's your next one? My next one is an interesting one. Uh, it's New Teen Titans number 23. It's the first appearance of Starfire's sister, Blackfire. Oh, wow. That is cool. Yeah, this is for the 1980 series. They rebooted okay. this title like a million times. Uh, but this is Marv Wolfman at, you know, at his best. And uh, it's, it's, it's a great character. Blackfire is sort of the evil Starfire, if you want to have a summary of her. Uh, she has similar powers. Um, but she's always comes up as a foil for Starfire. I, th I think as long as Starfire is going to be a part of the Teen Titans, which is probably forever, um, we'll have reoccurrences of appearance of Blackfire. She's is that the cover where she's kind of, where Starfire is kind of suspended in air and Blackfire is on the other side of her? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I know, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. How cool. Yeah. She's a, you know, Blackfire's appeared in the Teen Titans t uh, animated show and Teen Titans Go!, uh, she is a reoccurring character, so I'm really surprised. This book really has is uh, still inexpensive. Uh, a 9.8 and 90 days are only 148 dollars. Uh, last sale was 178 dollars, but I, I don't necessarily think there's any real, um, you know, movement behind this title. There's actually a 9.9. This is amazing for a 1982 book. Wow. There's a 9.9 on the census. Uh, there are 226 books on the census total. Um, you can pick up Roz for this thing really cheap. Uh, uh, There's another one that's in the bins right now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw Roz as low as $7 on eBay right now. Mm -hmm. But this is definitely, you know, I come across runs of, of Teen Titans when I go looking through boxes. And because no one no one's really specking on uh, the Titan books right now. Uh, but I think I think there's a lot of interest in the Titan characters, I just don't think we've hit the right property for them yet. And when we do, we're going to actually see some movement in these books. I think people got excited over Titans, you know, the DC Universe HBO Max series, and it wasn't quite what people wanted. They yeah. liked it. But again, like G.I. Joe earlier, this was an 80s kids book, man. We love new Teen Titans in the 80s. And if somebody at AT&T, Time Warner, Warner Brothers conglomerate can get their act together and do a real good new Teen Titans movie with that Wolfman Perez flavor and Blackfires in it, you can see this book explode. Yeah, all, you know, all kinds of characters came out of those runs. You know, you had Trigon came out of that run. Uh, you know, there's there's Terra, all kinds of really important characters to Deathstroke. The yeah, Deathstroke, absolutely. To that whole mythos that uh, you know are, are sitting there waiting to be to be mined in the right kind of property, and I, I think they're still looking for that for that magic touch. People forget in the '80s it was two books: Uncanny X-Men, New Teen Titans, and they kind of went hand in hand. And everybody, every, it was soap opera at its best. You know, we couldn't <laughs> wait to see why is Donna Troy marrying that dude? Come on. Uh, you know, who Danny Chase, get out of here. We don't want you. I mean, there are so many things that were we were invested in, in that book. And boy, they've really just squandered it. It's a shame. It's DC in general. I, I think they, they don't have the Kevin Feige. They don't have, you know, that kind of direction that Marvel has really, really benefited from. Because, you know, Marvel's had their missteps, too. And it wasn't until the new MCU came out 
that we're actually seeing some solid direction from uh, from Marvel. Did you hear that sonic boom right now? I believe it was Evan, our DC expert, shaking his fist at us so violently <laughs> that it created a <laughs> boom. Uh, yeah, hi, Evan. <laughs> hi, Evan. Leave a comment. All right, our next, or my, my final one is a really obscure one that I don't think has really caught fire yet. It has the potential. Go grab it. Again, it's sitting in bins right now at your LCS. I guarantee it. And that is Marvel 2-in-1 number 54. Now, this was the beginning of the Project Pegasus storyline, classic storyline by Mark, Mark Grunewald and, and Ralph Macchio. Not that Ralph Macchio. Um, that featured a whole bunch of characters, including my man Quasar. But this is the first appearance of the Grapplers, which was a group of female super mercenaries that included none other than someone named Screaming Mimi, who had vocal yeah. powers, mm -hmm. who becomes Songbird from the Thunderbolts. So there's a twofer with this book on spec. The Grapplers are heavily being speculated as being part of the new She-Hulk TV series that's coming up for Disney+, Plus, which would be very cool because perfect, perfect adversaries for She-Hulk. But if the Thunderbolts ever happens in the MCU and Songbird is a part of that, this is kind of her first appearance. So I just don't think people are, are, are really glomming on to this yet. And so there's a real opportunity here for this book. I think you know all the members of, of, of the Thunderbolts are rife for, for speculation. I, I think people really aren't paying attention until, until it's too late, until we see you know, Baron Zemo freed from the raft. And, you know, we have the formation of the Thunderbolts with uh, the Red Hulk and all the other characters yeah. that make up that, that team. That's not the time to go out and spec these books. <laughs> you know, now is the time to go look at these books while they're still affordable. That is the question. You know, if they go that route, will it be Dark Avengers or will it be Thunderbolts? If it's Dark Avengers, it's going to be people that we kind of already know. Uh, you might not see Moonstone. You might not see Songbird. But, you know, Thunderbolts, just the right creative team at the right time. Bring it back. It's kind of one of those books that just won't die. So, yeah. hope yeah, for lots, yeah, lots of new characters that I think could be monetized. You know? you know, you're talking about looking at new phases of the MCU. You don't want to continue to use, you know, the first few phases. of We're a decade into this whole whole process do you want to continue to recycle old characters or do you want to bring out you know fresh blood and you know get new interest in them and i think the thunderbolts are a great team yeah the mcu has shown us they're all about new blood with ms marvel uh, you know shang chi all this stuff happening so we'll have to see all right what are your favorite underrated bronze age first appearances what do you have to contribute please do so in the comments and then we'll read some of those comments on our viewer mail bonus episode that goes live later this week. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Make sure you hit the notification bell. That way you will be fully informed when that episode goes live. And right now I don't have one. Sorry, Richard. It's my lame butt transition for the 25 year rule. gonna get mixed up for it John. i know i'm gonna get slaughtered in the comments for not having a segment <laughs> sorry everybody 25 year rule this week we go back to 1996 25 years ago when nostalgia kicks in and we remember the amalgam 
universe richard you brought this one up yeah this is cool to me you know you get a combination of marvel and dc in a set of books they're they're all one-offs but they're all interesting stories about characters they're a combination of certain characters from each of those um you know publishers the original mashups uh kind of like a reese's cup you got your <laughs> superman in my captain america well it's two great tastes that taste great together and then so you get super soldier number one where clark kent is exposed to alien dna which creates the super soldier a uh, great creative team on this one mark wade and dave gibbons it, it, wow uh some heavy hitters i love that he fights the green skull who is a combination <laughs> Of the Red Skull and Lex Luthor with a little kryptonite thrown in for good measure. Uh, this is not a tough book. At 9.8, it'll run you 40 bucks. Raws are plentiful. Since you're digging in the back issue bins already from earlier this episode, head over to the Super Soldier section, probably under miscellaneous S, I would imagine, and pick up a copy. Great read. Um, some of the amalgam stuff is not great. This is great. Yeah, yeah, the, you're right. Some of them, some of it falls a little short, but you never expect them all to be successful. But you got, you got Batman, and you got Wolverine, and you put them together, and you get Dark Claw. Dark Claw. <laughs> so some of those, just the concept of having those characters combined is just a cool idea, and it's interesting to, to see it come to fruition. Somebody actually went through the process and made a book that are those two characters together. My favorite is Lobo the Duck, but we can talk about that on a future 25-year roll. <laughs> because right now, it's time for our underrated books of the week. Richard, what do you have? This week, I picked – this is this is unusual for me because normally underrated books are books that are in existence. They've been around, and somebody just has not paid attention to them. This book, though, this book is a book that is out on June 30th of this year. It is Wonder Woman, black and gold, number one, the Warren Lou cover. This breaking the rules, Richard, breaking the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't even released yet. It's, it's on pre-order. So the reason I'm bringing it up now is so people have an opportunity before it sells out to pick up on a book that I think is going to be amazing. Now, it is a store exclusive. Uh, KRS, I believe, is... Uh, has the exclusive for this book, but it's a number of other, their partner sites are also releasing it. Uh, it is a store exclusive and store exclusives have a spotty tracker record when it comes to spec. Some of them hit up, you know, hit it out of uh, the park. Other ones just fall flat, you know, but you look at this cover. This cover is unbelievable. Uh, well, I think you're right. I think it's a store exclusives really depend on the cover. Uh, you have some that have really stuck around like Venom 26, mm -hmm. that, that neon one, which I think was unknown. Uh, on your recommendation, I got that Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 23, uh, the basketball mm -hmm. Frankie's uh, uh, exclusive. I paid 35 for it. I sold it for 250. So yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. There's there. You have to know, I mean, like I said, the cover is is spectacular, uh, and I think it alone warrants uh, the attention this book gets. Now, this book comes out and has two covers. It has a this is DC now, so they don't necessarily have versions. They uh, virgin covers. They have their normal trade dress, and then uh, which is a three thousand print run, and then they have a minimal trade dress. 
which is a 1500 print run. So um, they it's sold basically, you know, the 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 minimal trade dress is bundled with a trade dress copy, or you can get just the trade dress if you want. But you know, it's 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 so I you know John's going to put up an image of the book. Yeah. The expression on Wonder Woman's face every single time just draws me in. There's something she's she's something in that look is saying she needs something, she wants something, and it's just. Is you know unbelievable to me. This cover is in the league of you know Adam Hughes' masterpiece, which is Legion of Superheroes number twenty-three. David Nakayama, who is another great pinup cover, his Tarot number one with the gorgeous uh, Scarlet Witch on the cover. I love that book, and I missed out. That's another book uh-huh. that I missed out on. Um, uh, Ji Hung Lee's Spider Gwen number one. It's iconic cover. Everyone recognizes it, and it has been homaged a number of times. Mm-hmm. So it falls into that kind of category. Um, it's still available on certain sites. Mutant Beaver out of Canada has a copy uh, or has some sets and, and slabs available. Uh, you know, a set will run you around 60 bucks. Uh, and that gets you a, a trade and then the uh, minimum trade version. Uh, you know, the minimum trade alone is going for 99 on eBay right now. Wow. Um, and, and it's it's easy to see why. I, it's If you have an opportunity to pick it up, again, that's why I'm talking about it now so that people still have a window of opportunity to pick this up. Um, I would, I really, really would it's because I think, you know, once the story comes out with the, once the book is in circulation, it's, it is a limited print run. 1500 is while it's not tiny, it is, it is definitely limited. It's going to see some aftermarket movement. I just, I just can't see how it can't. And just, just, just looking at this cover. Um, if I was to come across this five years from now, I would be mesmerized and would pay and, you know, good money to get a copy for myself. Just to be clear, we're getting no affiliate commission from this. We're not sponsored in any way by anyone. So this is just pure advice for the young at heart as Tears for Fears. Would yeah, say. it's from one collector to another. You know, exactly. buy, buy, buy this book before it becomes the next Legion of Superheroes number 23. Good one. Uh, mine goes back to Epic Illustrated, which you talked about earlier with Dreadstar. While you're digging in the magazine bins looking for Epic number three, why not take a look for Epic Illustrated number 26, which is part one of John Byrne's legendary The Last Galactus Story. This was... Just what it says on the tin, the last Galactus story. And uh, Byrne did this in nine parts. Uh, It was a whole story with a beginning, middle, and end. However, the conclusion never saw print because Epic was canceled with issue number 36. And Byrne, while he's quick and works ahead, did not work ahead that fast in order to have the conclusion drawn so it could be printed somewhere else. So it's just kind of left out there in the ether ever since then. There was talk of IDW doing an artist's edition of The Last Galactus Story, you know, those huge art books, and they were going to commission a new concluding chapter by John Byrne, and he kind of confirmed that. But then something fell apart. You know, call me crazy, but maybe John Byrne was difficult to work with. I, I've, heard, I've heard rumors of such in the past. Uh, you know, things, it sounds weird that John Byrne may have an issue with someone. Uh, 9.8 of Epic Illustrated number 26 sold in March for $300. But 
there's not a lot of data on this. Uh, there's a low, incredibly low census count for this book, only two 9.8s and five 9.6s. So this is one you can probably jump on, and it's just a, it's a classic. It's beautiful. Yeah, Epic Illustrated kind of had highs and lows. This is one of the highs. Oh, John, John Byrne is one of my favorite artists. And, you know, sometimes you have to separate the man from the art. <laughs> and he and Claremont, I think, were the, the magic team uh, for my childhood. So I'm interested in, in, in reading this. I, I, I was unaware of, of this particular story. Obviously, it wasn't the last Galactus story. No. Uh, well, it takes place in the future, in the far future. Mm -hmm. uh, Frankie Ray Nova is still his herald. Uh, you'll love this. It's inked by Terry Austin, so it doesn't get Ooh. any better than that. Yeah, Classic. So, and it's burn in his 1986 prime, you know, when he's working on fantastic four and he's really entrenched in that. So it's, it's really a shame. Uh, this, this, you know, legendary tale is never going to be finished apparently. Uh, but you know, never say never. Yeah. You never know. You never know, but I know this much. You guys can't complain about my camera resolution anymore because <laughs> this is the first episode on my new computer and I look great. <laughs> you do look great john i don't know it depends it, now you can see every flaw i need some like some heavy i need the barbara streisand filter i think that's what i need but we want to thank everybody for joining us this week richard where can they find us they can find us at browns and modern gods on facebook and instagram and at www.bronzeandmoderngods.com the website you can even type in HTTP colon backslash backslash if you like before then. With the inner but, tubes and all, yeah. Like my, my mom telling me how to get to a website. Well, you type in HTTP. Make sure you like this video. Subscribe. We love you guys. Uh, the channel's kind of blown up the last month or so. Don't think we haven't noticed. Don't think we don't appreciate it. Don't think we don't read every single comment. And again, to the guy... The one soul out there that keeps giving us a thumbs down who has returned after a couple of months off. We love you too. You're special. We'll, we'll see you next time. Everybody.